With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus England win the men's 50 over world cup by zero runs twice six weeks of high drama high skill and high horses proving that even with a restrictive nonsense of a format cricket is brilliant this is GC World Cup Extra cricket Welcome to episode 7 of GC World Cup Extra, the weekly World Cup podcast from your favourite independent commentary providers, Guerrilla Cricket. This is our tournament review special recorded the day after the day before from the emotional and physical record to the GC studio. Let us be your guide through the glorious chaos of what we witnessed last night and through the whole 48-game shebang. I'm your host, Knuckle M. Pandey, and I'm joined by my fellow travellers in the land of the bleary-brained, the somehow still walking Paul Grubby Howarth. Morning, afternoon, evening, all that. And the man who brought you the last ball, our lead anchor, Nigel Hendo Henderson. Uh, good afternoon, good morning, good uh, day, good dusk, good, um, good, good, happy cricket. Good heavens. Good heavens, indeed. Good heavens, indeed. And speaking of that last ball, where else can we begin? Now, here we go. This is it all. It comes down to this delivery from Jofra Archer to Martin Guptill. It's on his legs. He's flicked it through the onside. They're surely going to come back for the second. Are they going to win the World Cup? It's going to be a run. It's a run out. It's a run out. England have won the World Cup. Josh Butler takes the bails off. Guptill can't stretch. And England have won by one run. Would you believe it? Would you believe it? There's pandemonium amongst the England supporters. Let's just calm down a bit for, for a moment, chaps. It's pandemonium. England have won for New Zealand in the most heartbreaking fashion. Kiwi Kali, I want to hug you. I feel so sorry. Jim Burchill, I feel so sorry. Guptill, cannot believe it. England have won a World Cup. That balcony, the New Zealand balcony, is utterly stunned. And it turns out England didn't even win by one run. They, not. they tied twice and won on boundary countback. We were delving deep into the ICC playing regulations for this tournament. 
um, we were worried before the World Cup final that it would go like so many other World Cup finals that have been, frankly, dull. Um, long, long before it got to that, that was the greatest 50-over men's World Cup final ever. I'm not sure it would be that difficult to be the, the best 50-over uh, World Cup ever. I think the 1975 final was uh, something special, I guess, because also it was the first one. Uh, and it ended, up, it ended up being very dramatic with those five runouts, uh, Clive Lloyd's 100 as well. Um, but I'm just talking to Grubby on the way over here, it was a great game, but it was also, there were elements of it that weren't that great. In, the last 5%. Strength. Yes, it was, it was a brilliant finish. It was a happy ending. It was, it was wonderful in, in one sense. Um, but because the pitch was so slow, uh, there was a lack of great stroke play. And I'm not, I'm not diminishing great stroke play against great bowling. There was a lot of really good bowling. Uh, but in some respects, I think if you'd been in neutral and you'd been watching that for 40 overs or so, you'd have been interested, but you yeah. wouldn't have been excited. You wouldn't have been off your seat. I think the seat, the, the, the moment you got off your seat came in that last sort of five or six overs, really. Yeah, and that's often what happens. And that, in a way, you almost get the reward for sticking with it. You know, like a great novel or a great... You know, one of those with a great slow burn TV shows like The Wire or The Sopranos or something. Yeah. Uh, where that, having seen the narrative build the whole way through, you see all of those narrative threads come together. You see all of that come to a point. And then a game that had been very much about tension, about finding those little moments, about keeping calm, suddenly exploded into absolute madness. Yep. You don't want to dumb cricket down in order to attract an audience but you do, uh, on the biggest stage when you, you want um, you want to attract new people in, you want kids to be interested, you want kids to be uh, asking their parents to get on the local club and all that sort of stuff and I, I, I would agree with Hendo, I think for 95% of that game it was kind of intriguing rather than uh, gripping until the last knockings and um, yeah, you, you, you kind of... I, I spent much of the game thinking quietly to myself, this is not the best advert for cricket. Um, hopefully, though, people did stick with it and were rewarded with something that we've never really seen before in the history of the game. I think it was Andy Zaltzman who worked out that if you look at the, the numbers, you would expect a tied World Cup final roughly once every 400 years. Ooh. We had one twice in the space of <laughs> yes. an hour. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely remarkable, isn't it? I suppose, in a way, the Super Over had just added to the drama of the whole thing, didn't it? If we'd, if we'd stopped at it and said, that's a tied game, um, I mean, what would we have looked back and, and, and used in, in days gone by? I'm sure there are wickets. A situations. Wickets, wickets lost. I think we'd have gone in the back. Old days, was yeah. it, was that have been in the World Cup or would that just have been in domestic it, it, uh, 50 it, overs? It's wicket lost, basically, before the introduction of the Super Over. Right. Which I think would have been a bit unsatisfactory. Um, I, you know, I, New Zealand would have won on that on that basis and, you know, we'd have been saying New Zealand were worthy winners and, yeah, you know, whichever yeah. side, obviously in a tied game, not obviously, but, uh, you know, in a tied game, a game of that level of tension where the game swung this way, that, throughout, you know, whichever team wins is worthy winners. And, and the only thing to say also statistically is that it's much more likely you're going to get a tied um, match after one over than after 50. That's true, that's true. So that, that second bit is, but, you know, the fact of it getting there. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's extraordinary. Um, Yes, and, and you would have had that, or, you know, we've had situations in the past, the ICC Champions Trophy in 2002, where the reserve day got washed out as well. You have a shared, uh, you have a shared trophy, which is not ideal. It's not ideal, but in a, in a way, I think when you've had a game as 
exciting and as dramatic as that at the end of it. I, I would have been quite happy to have shared the trophy. I really would have. Uh, because, one, you'd have had two new two new names on the trophy, which I think was, is great. Um, I'd like to have seen that monstrosity of a trophy cut in half. Um, it's nothing like the Prudential Trophy from 1975. Uh, no, actually, I do quite like it. That's quite a nice It design. is enormous. It is enormous. Uh, and I think it is quite a good trophy. I'm just being a bit facetious, I suppose. But I, I would have been quite happy for that to have been shared. I, I think the trouble is, and it's something about the philosophy of sport, really, isn't it, that you have to have winners and you have to have losers. Do you always have to have winners and do you have to have losers all the time? I think it would have been a little bit unsatisfactory had, it, had there not been an outright winner, personally. I think it would have been, but I just think, Oh, if we sat here and we said, you know, the old cliche, cricket is the winner and cricket was the winner. Um, is that not enough? Is, is it not enough for cricket to be the winner? No, I don't Do think Do you have to is. have a team that's I, the winner? I don't think it is. I don't think you can get to a situation where after a World Cup you have uh, a shared winner. But uh, you would have done. You would have done if it had been washed out. This is the whole point. You would have had a shared winner and that would have been, been washed out. And that would have been unsatisfactory. Well, it would have been. But how many, how many reserve takes can you have? Ultimately? Well, I know, I know, I know. And... and I think one of the one of the regulations was that if there had only been enough chance to get a super over in, they would have done that. So you could have actually had uh, essentially two days of washout and then a super over, which wouldn't have been ideal either. You, but could, have had it, you could have had it in the indoor school. Uh, well, <laughs> they, uh, they were thankfully were long past the days of uh, Lancashire winning uh, winning games thanks to a bowl out in the yeah. indoor school. Yeah. And you know it played out on the day, it played out on the pitch, it played out in front of a packed crowd, it played out. It was a packed fan park in Trafalgar Square watching on Channel 4. Uh, it played up with us. Um, you know, our nerves absolutely shredded. You know, <laughs> I'm not an England fan. I'm not a New Zealand fan. I'm, I'm in this for the cricket. Um, and every, yeah. as I said on commentary yesterday, every single sinew in my body was bursting watching that unfold. And but I think there know, is a it wasn't difficult to find the words. I think there is a difference, though, when you're commentating. And I found this when I've been reporting. If I've been reporting on my own team that actually you become much more objective. Well, you've got, uh, that, you've got that Because you're focus concentrating on. on something different. Yeah. You're not just concentrating on your team winning. And I think um, beyond England winning, for me, I know Grubby was leaping around the room by that point, <laughs> uh, along with Fred, but uh, for me, it was just a wonderful uh, piece of theatre, I suppose. It, it was quite extraordinary. And to, to come on to one of your points, um, and I made this point um, from the GC Twitter account earlier today, is that having gone through all of that, all of that emotion, all of that skill, all of that drama, all of that luck, all of those moments where you could have lost but didn't, mm. and then for and for New Zealand to watch England, you know, with the thing that they wanted, and then England not to be happy about it, I think that would be incredibly churlish and incredibly patronising. Well, no, it's good that England are happy about it, and I certainly understand why uh, players in that sort of situation, uh, you know, the relief I suppose after all the pressure that's been on England uh, to win this World Cup, but because of their performances leading up to it. Um, I totally understand the players being absolutely delighted. If I was a player, I'd have been, uh, you know, I'd been beaming from ear to ear. Cock uh, and indeed a hoop. Indeed, with the hoops and the cocks would have been together. Mm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, so I, I totally understand that. And I, I, uh, I understand the joy of England fans because we needed to win a World Cup. We needed it for cricket at this particular stage, I think. Um, if it had been another sort of albatross round our necks for, for the next four years, and who knows, uh, uh, four years after that, it would have just, it, it, it might have, um, you know, damage the sport yeah, completely. I popped down to the Oval earlier on as well and uh, a fair old crowd was gathering. I left before the players arrived, you know, because I didn't want to see them again really, but um, bumped into Rog, our friend Rog was there. Um, he asked me to pass on, by the way, that uh, in commentary terms, um, Ian Smith was on commentary for the last couple of overs, uh, in, including the Super Over, so Rog wanted to make the point that New Zealand actually won the World Cup in terms of commentary, so, but I said, not here, not at Gorilla. This is true. But um, anyway, it was, a lovely, it was a lovely atmosphere down at the Oval. People just gathering, still not quite believing it. 
and they played the highlights on the big screens there and there was some polite applause when England won which oh I wow. thought was terribly How British lovely. were the cucumber sandwiches it was it was that sort of atmosphere yes yeah no one can quite believe what has just happened nobody quite has the level of emotional energy to really be jumping around uh, and all that everyone is a little bit just kind of regathering themselves and absorb all of the things we've just seen and the and the the sheer unpredictability of it the sheer improbability of what we just saw happen so many times today yeah the, the other thing that struck me was um the outstanding fielding that both sides demonstrated Absolutely. in the moment of extreme pressure when you think about the runouts towards the end of take your pick any of the innings on display there um and it's uh, it's a classic. Someone wrote a book, and it's uh, it's it's about um, blue head versus red head. Blue head, head is where you keep your cool, and you you basically do what you've practiced in training for those ten thousand hours under the most extreme scrutiny, extreme pressure. And I think that was demonstrated um, to the nth degree by the outfielding um, both both teams show. Because if you thought about it, that moment, if you were Jason Roy and you thought about it for a split second, you'd, you'd you know your arms would turn to jelly. You couldn't they? do it. Could you? You couldn't do it. Well, especially, and he fumbled it. It's fumbled the pickup one ball before and allowed him right. to come back for a second run. That's right. And, you know, there's so many moments. You know, Mitchell Santner not uh, not taking a run off the last ball of New Zealand's innings. He proper. ducked it, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, ducking under a ball, presumably perhaps thinking it would be a wide. Who knows? Uh, there are you know there are runs not taken. There are uh, there are misfields made. There are uh, you know Jofra Archer balls delivery which is inches outside a wide line it's arguably a wide uh, I mean it went right across the top of the uh, of the actual there, guidance there line. are so many other moments like that. you know England considered a lot of extras uh, in uh, when they were bowling yeah I think but a lot of those extras were you know leg buys and I don't think you can really um, legislate for leg buys unless you're bowling a particularly poor line on the legs and it just keeps rebounding but that's what, I, but that's what I'm saying it's just stuff happens in cricket and a hell of a lot of stuff happened yesterday well, and, and let's go through some of the stuff that did happen towards the end of the 50 overs proper uh, so we fast forward to the 48th over of England's innings Liam Plunkett uh, having uh, batted pretty well uh, so far playing uh, supporting Ben Stokes has just hold out to long off England are 222 for 7 need 22 off 9 deliveries Ben Stokes is on strike uh, to uh, Jimmy Neesham if England needed a boundary before that ball, they need one now. Nisham round the wicket to Stokes. Stokes waits. He swings this. He's got Where's hold it of it. Has he Where's got it enough gone? on Where's that? It gone? No, no bolt is underneath it. Oh, that's six. That's back. six. Well, we'll have to look at this no, one. That's six. Stokes is calling it no, a six. Given He's given us a six. Yeah. He uh, took the catch. He was falling back. He threw it to Guptill, but not before it had left his hands. He just touched the rope with the back of his heel. And England have got a six. Could it be tighter? Uh, yes, as it turned out, it could have been. Uh, but Trent Bolt, we saw him in the West Indies game inches away from stepping on the line. This time, just overbounced that little bit more. Maybe Stokes hit it that little bit harder. Lords is not quite as big as some other grounds. Uh, and he got that little bit closer to the rope before he took before he threw it back to Martin Guptill who seemed to be just there everywhere in that last few overs yeah. well I must admit I mean um, at, at, at full pace I thought it was out because I, I didn't register the fact that he'd stepped back onto the um, boundary um, sponge whereas Andy sitting alongside me had and he's shouting it's six it's six and I wasn't sure uh, you had to see the replay to see that he actually did um, try to steady himself by he must have thought 
the boundary was a little bit further behind him than, than it was. And he, he stepped back quite obviously on yeah. the rope before then suddenly realising that he had to throw the ball to Guptill. And to be fair to Guptill, he signalled it quite early. He signalled it was six. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah. He, and, but he was. You're right, Knuckle. He was. It, Guptill seemed to be involved in many of the crucial moments. Um, it's not really been his tournament. I think it's fair to say. There, there was a there was a quite heartbreaking um, picture, which you know looks as though it should be carved into marble to be the Mont de Pieta, which we've tweeted out from the Gorilla Cricket account of Martin Guptill utterly devastated, physically and emotionally, down on his knees, being consoled by Jimmy Neesham and Chris Wokes. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of the Freddie Flintoff and uh, Brett Lee Absolutely. moment after Absolutely. the end but of Edgerton, even yeah. more final because yeah. that was only the second well, test match in a five test yeah, series yeah. Uh, but everything just drained out of Martin Guptill at that moment um, and you know th- these two teams have a huge respect for each other we talked about this before the final is about how uh, it was Brendan McCollum's New Zealand team that inspired Owen Morgan to uh, yeah. to to dream that England could actually be a proactive modern one day international team uh, he took on that uh, that approach that, that uh, McCollum started and refined it and perfected mm. it. Uh, Kane Williamson has taken the confidence that Brendan McCollum gave New Zealand and added that little bit of uh, steel, that little bit yeah, of calm. Now, I do yeah. think that the New Zealand started out the tournament trying to replicate that, that the old McCollum way to a certain extent by, by opening with Guptill and Munro. And it was only really when Munro didn't come off after about four or five games that they turned to Henry Nichols and, and, and played a slightly different game. That said, uh, Guptill went off really well yesterday um, until he got out, to be, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, Guptill reverted to what he knows best, yes. which is trying to hit himself out of trouble, and he's a very clean striker of a ball. Uh, yeah, New Zealand have been trying with Guptill and Munro for a few years. It hasn't really worked in, in, Not in, 50, in, over. in 50 over cricket. Yeah. Munro's got a very good 2020 yeah. record. They had Luke Ronke at the top of the order for a little while. And, you know, they may have to reassess. You know, Nichols maybe becomes uh, a sort of uh, a knock-it-about um, sort of more old school if you were uh, one international yeah. opener or maybe Latham becomes an opener as he is in test yeah, cricket and I they bring w- someone you, into you the middle Latham order there, I think you want yeah. Latham up there I mean he's a, he's a class player he really is and he showed it again against England I mean he got 40 odd yesterday he got 50 in the group game against England when he hadn't got a run in any of the other games at all and I just think it was an artificial place for him to be uh, to be situated I really think that they should have gone up top with him if they wanted to bring Munro further down the order they could have even included Southie as an extra bowler str- uh, come hitter um, maybe at number eight or number nine. Or Sodi as an extra spinner. Sodi, perhaps, yes, absolutely. Uh, perhaps not yesterday. I don't think it was really that uh, conducive to spin. But in general, yes, I, I totally understand that. I think they got it wrong with uh, with their openers, to be honest. Well, they were trying to find an opening partnership. They they wanted to slide Henry Nichols in there and give Latham a chance to... Where he has been very good at number five for the last couple of years. He's been a very important part of that New Zealand middle order. They've been, They've had success with that, uh, with that Williamson-Taylor-Latham axis over the last year. They've been to my mind, by a distance, the third best side in the world. And I said they were going into the tournament and I didn't see any reason um, why they shouldn't uh, make the semi-finals. And, and, you know, once the semi-finals happens, it's, uh, it, it's one game and anything can happen. Mm. And, you know, I'm very heartened that New Zealand overcame their late group stage wobble and actually and showed what they've been doing for the last few years. And it's the value of consistency. If you look at the, the three best teams in this tournament, England, India and New Zealand, they've had a clear idea of what they wanted to do for years. Uh, we'll come on to other teams that might not have that later in the later, but we should go through uh, the last uh, the last dramatic moments of the of the fifty overs. Uh, so um, after the, off the first two balls of the fiftieth over, Ben Stokes uh, in MS Dhoni fashion turns down possible turns down possible singles with Adil Rashid 
at the other end, who was no mug with the bat, but hadn't yet faced a ball. Ben Stokes had took all the pressure on his shoulders, the man who'd been banned uh, for being silly outside a nightclub in Britain. Oh, not silly, that's, uh, that's understating the case. But... Uh, doing something he really shouldn't have done outside of Nutcliffe in Bristol. The man who'd seen him uh, seen himself become an accessory to Carlos Brathwaite briefly becoming Gary Sobers uh, a couple of years before. And then he does this. He's gone for the big shot over mid-wicket. Has he gone? Yes, yes he has. it's into the crowd. Uh, he put one foot across. He swung it Slot into the ball. leg side. England need nine from three. It was in the slot. It was swung hard. It was swung cleanly by Ben Stokes over mid-wicket nine off three the very next ball the ultimate cricketing what happened next occurred in comes Bolt again it's a full toss he smashes it into the onside they've got to get back for a second they've got to go they have to go uh, he's running and he's dived this in might go oh there could be this is going overthrows there could this be overthrows it's going to it's gone all the way would you believe it? Is that going to be given? What's of going to course. happen? It has to be. There's no, it's in the rules. That's six. It's in the laws. It was in the laws. Kumar Dharmasena held up the six fingers separately. It hit Stokes' bat. We're, we're still trying to work out where, whether it should have been five or six. Uh, the umpire said six at the time. The, uh, the law in question is very ambiguously worded. It says uh, at the point of the act. And it is not clear whether the act refers to the throw, at which point they hadn't crossed for the second, because it was a very good throw for Martin Guptill from the deep, in which case it would have been five runs, or whether the act is the ball hitting the bat of Ben Stokes, in which case they obviously had crossed. In fact, Stokes was in for the second, and at which point it uh, it goes for two, uh, it goes for four. You know, they completed two, it goes for four overthrows, therefore six. That is the that is what happened, and you saw Ben Stokes on the floor apologising for the sh- for, two hands in the air. For, like, for, not for, me, ref. For <laughs> for an absolutely astonishing sporting fluke happening to him. Well, I'm, I'm going to say something a bit mischievous now. Um, how much intent was there from Ben Stokes? None whatever. Absolutely none. none whatever. Absolutely He wasn't none. even looking. Definitely not. Looking. He wasn't looking. And he's going to stick to that story till the day he dies. Well, of course. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I think it was just absolutely a freak, a, a fluke occurrence. It, it really was. And, and he, he knew it. And, and, you know, if the ball had been chased and stopped before the... Um, boundary they wouldn't have been those do, runs do you remember when he was given out obstructing the field well yes remember i that? know but that was a completely <laughs> different I mean, situation I that's really entirely different ben stokes had quite yeah. a bit of agency in that <laughs> he's he's not looking at the ball the throws come in from what 70 yards away from he knows Martin where Gutter. the throw's coming from well as a batsman he's entitled to get in the way of it in one respect he's entitled well, no, to he's put not. the dive well he's entitled to put the dive in and and you know it's, it's all it's all about running between the throw and the wicket i mean you're not deliberately trying to um, stop them um, hit the wicket, but what, you are so running in that they, area. That law has been checked. What you're, what you are allowed to do, you are allowed to run the original line, and if it hits you, so be it. You are not allowed to change your direction right. of travel. Well, yeah. Watch Stokes it, didn't. He watch ran it again. He ran you, his original line. He ever so slightly changes angle. I don't think he. Does. He runs. <laughs> he runs the original line. He dies full length because he knows the throw somewhere, and then it hits him and goes off for four, and he's on the floor going. Oh God! Okay, great. We've got well, still I mean, got a chance. Of course, his bat is going to be outstretched because he's trying desperately yeah, to course. get to his crease. So you can't argue that the bat was out uh, trying to deflect the ball. I think it would have taken a measure of skill under pressure there that even Ben Stokes doesn't have to do that. I really do. Well, I urge you to watch it again. Well, I will. make your I own will. minds I up. I, I think he slightly changed his course, but really? uh, there it's happened, and the decision was made. What What I think you do have to say is that 
when you look at the luck that England have, I mean, you look at luck and there's luck in all sorts of sports and at all sorts of times in sports. But yesterday, England got it at the most remarkable moments and the most extraordinary luck, you know, rather than just little elements of luck. Extraordinary luck. I mean, that really was about the luckiest thing. That that was the only way England could could have won it. I mean, there was no other way that they were going to get those nine runs off three balls. It was extraordinary. It it was an astounding fluke. Yes. It really was. Uh, And it only got more dramatic, if less fluky, uh, because uh, we'd already had the run of other Rashid uh, desperately scrambling to try and get Stokes back on strike sacrificing himself for a diamond for duck, the good it? of the team for a diamond duck and uh, then the very same thing happened next ball well you don't have much time to see the ball when Trent Bolt's bowling he's coming in now left arm over the wicket it's all come down to the final ball of the tournament can you believe it Ben Stokes is waiting he's in it's a full toss he's driven it down to long are they going to come back back. they've got to run is he going to be run out yes he's run out it's a tie it's a tie in the World Cup final would you believe it England 241 all out sounds remarkable when you hear it again doesn't it (laughs) brings it all flooding back my favourite bit of that (laughs) is uh, Fred Janaway on commentary going Oh, I know. <laughs> like it's not over. <laughs> There's more to come. And um, he was he was a wreck throughout the super over in the green room. <laughs> he was quite. He was a little bit of a wreck for much of the uh, much of the afternoon. Um, but it was. You said earlier, Hendo. It's kind of when you're when you're doing it, you're commentating. You've got that to concentrate on, and you know your energy is taken up with that somewhat. I, I watched the very brief highlights this morning, mm. and I don't mind telling you, I was an emotional wreck watching that again this morning. Well, I totally understand that. I think I, I, I said to you as we were walking up that if if um, if I'd been watching that at home on my own, I'd have been apoplectic. I would have just been You'd smashed the place. Up, I don't you? know what I'd have been doing. I've been racing up the stairs and down the <laughs> stairs again just to burn up the energy because it was so extraordinary. But uh, I mean, as you said, as Knuckles said, uh, in, in a way, with commentary like that, it does come kind of naturally because it is so remarkable. You're just trying to make sure that you get every little um, nuance of, mm. of the incident. You don't know in. what's going to matter at any given point, so you well, try and it. give everything. Absolutely. And naturally your voice rises in volume <laughs> and perhaps in pitch Did as well. Really? I thought I was calm. <laughs> and you try and convey that moment well, and the words come out because the cricket <laughs> provides you with the words. Talk, talking of moments, um, I think it's worth uh, reminding ourselves that Ben Stokes possibly pulled a calf quite early on um, in that boundary riding position he dived as he usually does didn't prevent the fall and he got up rather tenderly gingerly dare I say it hey. and, um, and just felt the back of his calf and for a moment I think some of us were thinking is he even fit enough to bowl oh. he did bowl and then obviously batted to, to great effect for England but again tiny moments that um, have huge ramifications he was officially named player of the match for the final and it's hard to argue it's fair enough with that or at least it's, it's hard to say that he shouldn't have been we should mention some other honourable mentions I thought Tom Latham as you said Hendo batted very well batted very maturely actually batted quite quickly on a pitch that wasn't aiding that uh, Joss Butler like, uh, similarly I thought played I don't know if it's quite his best innings for England because actually possibly his best innings of this tournament I think was the Pakistan 100 mm. which was amazing when everything was falling out, uh, uh, around about it yeah. falling, uh, falling apart around him but Again, scoring quickly. Andy Ward said it looks like he's batting on a different pitch. I think that's a really good call. It's the measure of the class of the man that he can make batting look that easy when everyone else is, is 
notably finding it difficult. Yeah, I thought well, in a strange way, the only the only time batting was easy was right at the top of the innings. It wasn't easy because the ball was moving around and Trent Bolt bowling and, and when England were bowling in the morning. There was a bit more pace in the pitch. But there was more pace in the pitch and that, that was the only time that you felt that the player could really time the ball well. And uh, you talk about um, Joss Butler making it look like a different pitch. I thought there was, there was one shot that Tom Latham played in that innings where he played a glorious drive to the uh, grandstand um, straight of the man at uh, deep cover which was, was probably the shot of the day, On the to be up. honest. It was an absolutely beautifully timed shot and beautifully placed and a, a rarely beautifully um, yeah. executed, which you didn't see a lot of yesterday. Um, you know, when someone did hit a good shot, one, one thing you can say about the good shots yesterday is that they were really good. Yeah. Uh, if you go back to the... It, when it came to hitting sixes, and, we, you know, we've got so accustomed to seeing sixes fly over our shoulders, fly over our heads, into our laps or whatever, uh, that when they hit a six, you really had to hit it. That six that Stokes hit in that final over, he absolutely Or the one Nisham hit in the super over. The Nisham yeah. in the super over. I, I Ten rows was, back. I feel that that was like a little bit more in the slot for him. But the one that, that Stokes hit was just... Uh, I mean, it had to be at six, that ball. He had to hit a six, that ball, and he did. Yeah. That's the amazing thing about it. It's those moments again, isn't it? And, and another moment from earlier in the game, which I think was equally important, was um, the, the Williamson thin edge off Plunkett and actually I, I, I could make a case for Plunkett being man of the match yesterday I thought he bowled an absolutely outstanding spell three wickets only went for four and over um, he bowled a brilliant sort of nagging line outside off stump uh, and one of those deliveries took the, the faintest of edges it was reviewed because it wasn't given out on the field poor old Dharmasena got that one wrong as well um, but there was I've made a little note for myself look the little heartbeat there of ultra edge uh, the telltale signs it went past the bat and Williamson had to go are you going to um, get that tattooed on your arm? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Just next to uh, Moscow Flyer, my favourite ever horse. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that you, you could pick any number of moments, but that was certainly an important one. Yeah, I think uh, another uh, a couple more should be mentioned. New Zealand bowls, I think Matt Henry in the semi-final oh, yeah. and the final bowl brilliantly. Yeah. Uh, absolutely superb bowl. Uh, had a good start to the tournament, took eight wickets in his first two games. Then in the next seven, only took two combined then was brilliant against India in the semi-final. We talked about this on the podcast last week. And then, again, uh, pace and bounce uh, and movement uh, and from a perfect line and length. Summed up the conditions absolutely brilliantly. Used the slope very well, I think, at Lords. Was getting the ball to move occasionally against the slope, a little bit like a sort of latter-day Glenn McGrath. Yeah, got one or two to come up the slope really well. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, absolutely wonderful opening spell. And I think was used very intelligently by, uh, by Kane Williamson. Didn't bowl him at the death bowled him in the middle overs and um, you, you know you talk about a, 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 a slow pitch Colin de Grondon Colin de Grondon bowling 10 overs and bowling the most economical spell completed spell of the tournament and the only the second the second most economical spell in a final since it became 50 overs doing yep. that when he is his, he hadn't bowled much through the tournament he's a mm. he's a sort of he's almost like a you imagine taking a whole bunch of wickets in the Lancashire League, mm. uh, for example. But nagging on a length, impossible to get away. Use the conditions perfectly. Yeah, it really was terrific, Dob. Yeah, it was. It was. It was top class, Dob. It was. It was. A, it was Dob of another on another level. I mean, it, you look at a lot of these pitches that England have had around the country, and, and you tend to think that you're going to get them early in the season, perhaps later in the season. Um, you know, this is why you've had even people like Jesse Ryder being so successful in county cricket as a bowler. Darren Stevens picking up loads and loads of wickets. Um, when you do get a pitch that's as stodgy as that, and you take pace of the ball, it shows you that even the best batsmen find it hard to score. Well, Joe Root. Joe Root, Joe who we've been talking about, we've he? been talking about for 
weeks, months, years mm. of being someone who could score a runner ball on almost in almost any circumstances without trying. Couldn't get the ball off the square no. and just ended up having to try and hit out and and played a a shot that he wasn't really committing to and took a, and uh, got the thin edge. Well, yes, he got the he, he got the wicket, didn't he? Bowling a bit a big sort of wide outswinger that he went after, and yet the ball before he'd come down the wicket and he just swung across the line, hadn't he? Horribly. I mean, most unlike yeah. Joe Root kind of shot. Uh, well, and that showed how much it was playing yeah, with his well, brain. It wasn't a root-like innings at all. Well, not at all. A seven off thirty, I think it was in the end, something like yeah. that. Uh, which uh, you know, I have a friend who who is always criticising Root in these circumstances because he thinks he puts the brakes on after England have got off to a great start. I don't go along with that opinion. I think most people agree that you know he's good. He pushes the ball around and he does that particular job. Uh, he scores job. about a run yeah, of ball, just pretty under. much, pretty much. And that that, you know, that would be my argument. But yesterday he was just shotless, really. It seemed to me. Uh, yeah, and, and in fact, both he and Morgan yeah. uh, played very injudicious shots, betraying uh, very understandable nerves. But when your two captains are getting out in the, that fashion, it really um, it, it, it just underlines quite how pressurised that situation was. And, yeah. and in the face of some terrific bowling, um, Root just ended up getting himself out, really, really, really poor shot from him. And, and, and Morgan, I couldn't really understand what he was doing. I mean, I think it was part of that thing of we had to keep going. We didn't want to get into the situation we did against Sri Lanka where we couldn't play shots. They were trying to keep that initial um, quite decent opening from England uh, going. And uh, But I don't really understand what Morgan was trying to do. I mean, he was trying to clear that they, they positioned, what, three men uh, very close together on the offside, two just behind square and one just in front of square. OK, that's cutting off one of his well, they had, shots. Well, they had five men between short third man and cover. Well, yeah, so he wanted to go over the top of him. But, he, I mean, if he was going to go over the top of him, he had to go backward as square. But as it was, he went uh, dead square. It was a horrible shot in the end. He was leaping off the ground, flat batting it. And a good catch, I think, was Rocky uh, Ferguson, Ferguson, Ferguson coming, coming off the deep point yeah. boundary. took a fantastic catch. He wa- I think he was trying to go behind square. If you look at where he was trying to play it, he was looking behind square, but he was too early on the stroke and it came slightly off the, the bottom part of the bat and it was a really good catch. You know, shout out also to Tim Southey taking a fantastic catch, uh, diving and sliding in to dismiss Joss Butler. Uh, yep. When he hit one out towards the uh, uh, the short square boundary, it's been a good it's been a good uh, tournament for subfielders. Uh, there've been a quite a few good catches. Uh, Jadeja is one of those. James Vince has been in the yeah. right place at the right <laughs> James time. James Vince, MBE, MBE, um, <laughs> and uh, of course uh, Southey taking that catch as well. So that's the final. That's that's as much as we can say about the final without uh, without really getting into. Uh, into butterfly effect quantum nonsense really um but an outstanding game of cricket that neither side deserved to lose and indeed neither side did lose um look, as a new zealander of course you're going to be crushed now, there is enough structural advantages for the big three in cricket without luck also being on their side yeah that's of true. course you're being of course you're crushed but and look with that not not at all in the patch it's not at all patronizing to say that you can be incredibly proud of how uh, how New Zealand have gone about this uh, this tournament and they, particularly the semi-final and the final as an England fan you know recognise that your team were incredibly lucky at various well, points to, yeah. uh, but they're also a very likeable very watchable bunch of cricketers uh, they've worked they've worked very hard to transform themselves from a laughing stock into for most of the last four years the best team in the world uh, with occasional challenges from India yeah no, uh, and you know be happy for this moment. Be happy that you won, not that New Zealand lost, if that makes any sense. I think it does make a lot of sense. I mean, I feel that way. I think my, my, my desire to win as an England fan 
is purely based on the fact that I knew that the Australians and the Indians would be weighing in if England didn't win. <laughs> and so I'm not I'm not pleased to have beaten New Zealand. I'm just pleased to have won. Yeah. And you, I wanted, think, you wanted to give the trophy back earlier, didn't well, you? Well, I'm not giving it back. I, just, I wanted it to go <laughs> to the uh, downtown to the silversmiths and be cut in half. Oh, I, no. I, I think it's, it's with a, a chainsaw. No, it's, yes. it's on Owen Morgan's mantelpiece <laughs> on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, on Kane's on Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays, and they split it alternate Sundays. Yeah, OK, I think that's fair enough. I, I a lot of air miles. I think we'll go along with but, that. But uh, no, as it is, uh, Kane Williamson will, uh, I'm sure, um, be melting down his uh, his runners-up medal uh, for scrap. And he was there was a wonderful little yeah. uh, camera <laughs> yes, moment of, uh, uh, of a, a close-up of him being told by an ICC official that he was wanting that he was winning player of the tournament. Yeah. And you can visibly watch him saying, "Me? Yeah. Me? <laughs> I know." It uh, reminded me very much of uh, Lionel Messi being given player of the tournament uh, in the World Cup in 2014. And um, just really being hugely disappointed to receive that award and not the winner's medal that he wanted. Somehow there's a point where that was almost rubbing it in. Uh, yeah, in yeah, a exactly. way. I mean, I almost, I almost wonder whether it was going to go to someone else and then someone had a quick word in, in, in somebody else's ear and said, well, hang on, he's been so close and he's done so and well. And he's here. Which is yeah. in itself very patronising, but uh, yeah, and he's here. Should have been Shakib. Should have been Shakib. Yeah, it? I think it should have been. Yeah, I agree. Um, we'll come on to our team of the tournament a, bit, a little bit later, but we uh, this tournament was not just about its final. There was some... I talked at the top of the show that you know the format is a nonsense, uh, but despite that, there's been some really good cricket played in this tournament. We had a, uh, a thrilling semi-final of a two-day international between India and New Zealand. We had probably England's best game of the tournament was the semi-final. Yeah, uh, that was that was the England approach. That was the Morgan England at their absolute crushing, brutal best. Yeah. No. I think, didn't we, as England fans, didn't we take more pleasure from that than the actual victory in the final in one way? Um, obviously, you want to win the tournament. Sp- I think, Hendo, you can only speak for yourself on that score. Well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, do you not uh, do you not agree with me on that, uh, um, Grubby? Beating I, I, I Australia was, by eight wickets? I was very pleased um, uh, that it was it ended up being a bit of a walk in the park, really. It wasn't, a, it wasn't for, for the neutral, it wasn't a great contest, I'm no. guessing. Um, but it, but that is that was that was really England distilled. That was the very epitome of what the England won the international side uh, set out to be. And I think in many people's minds going into this tournament, a, f- a few people would have expected England to kind of um, demonstrate that sort of display uh, against all, all comers and just blow everyone away. But of course, that it's, never, never it's, never that, it's never that easy. But is I it? think England had a real point to prove in that semi-final because they they failed so abysmally in the group game against Australia. And uh, I know a lot of people don't uh, give much credence to the warm-up games but they've done something they similar in the, well uh, you're that's your argument and then you can only speak for yourself on that uh, i don't agree i think there is something in in warm-up games and if you've got it you they got a victory over england and england should have won that warm-up game they were in a position to win it and butler had hit a 50 and he got out for 32 balls once he got out england fell away and they should have won that warm-up game now i'm not necessarily going to say that winning those games gives you impetus going into those other games but having lost that game having lost the more important game, the group game, quite uh, quite um, poorly, they really had something to prove, to, to show that they could beat this Australia team at full strength. Because when they had that marvellous win over them last summer, Australia were nowhere near full uh, well, strength. Well, having said that, the year before, they beat in Australia, yes. in Australia 4-1 when Australia were yeah, at full but, strength. But uh, the most recent team, they had beaten them, and everyone's looking at that uh, was not the same needless position. kind yeah. of series, to be honest, last summer. The contractual um, obligation yes, five-match exactly. series. Uh, was looking at and then saying, well, you know, Australia aren't that great because look what we did to them last year. And I never felt that um, was, was an honest appraisal. I mean, I think Australia... You, you bring Mitchell Stark back. He's one of the best one-day bowlers in the world, if not the best. Uh, it might be arguable that uh, Jasper Bummer is the is the better one, and the t- and the actual uh, statistics may say that. But those two are the are the best quick bowlers 
in the in the uh, world at the moment at that uh, in that particular format. And 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 with uh, Berendorf came, you know, he came in and did well. Um, and you've got Patrick Cummins, you've got Nathan Lyon, who God knows why he's been left out of the Australia side for so long, really, especially against England because uh, he has a little bit of a hold over England. Um, so I always thought Australia were going to do well, and I think it was such an important marker to lay down, not just for the World Cup, but I also think for the Ashes in a strange way. I know the teams will be slightly different, but I just think it gives that win has just showed that England could be serious against Australia. I think it's it's not so much against Australia for me. It's just, it's a reminder that actually England playing at their best can beat anyone. Yeah, well, that's and England's best is better than everyone else's best. Yeah, but I also think that that Australia in that semi-final weren't at their best. I, I and I think that England. No, I don't think Stark was at his best. I don't think he bowled that full. I don't think he bowled that fast. A little bit like he did against India. He was trying to bowl a little bit, sort of a traditional line and length. But I, I think, don't think it's him. As I think if you want to, his strength. if you want to go back and look at luck, um, if you if you want to call it that, uh, England were lucky to lose that toss in, in one respect because I don't think the ball was swinging later on for those those guys. It wasn't swinging for Berendorf. It wasn't swinging for a start. And that made a big difference. England batted more sensibly, certainly, up top, but there wasn't the prodigious swing that they got in that first uh, group game. Yeah, and, and Stark, in the ab- with the absence of that uh, swing, which is a, a big weapon of his, um, just went off the boil at precisely the wrong moment for Australia, didn't he? Um, that said, uh, he's still a fantastic tournament top wicket taker. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, the uh, more wickets than anyone else has ever taken in a uh, in a fifty over World Cup. And we're all going to remember that ball to Ben Stokes, aren't we? I mean, yeah. that was just a, a stunning delivery. If you want ball of the tournament, that's yeah, probably it, isn't it's up it? there, isn't it? I think yeah. so. Up there I was just thinking as well. Cool deeps googly to Barbara Azam. Has, has any uh, any? I can't imagine that any team has won uh, World Cup having lost three matches during it, which England have just done. I can only think maybe Pakistan in '92. I don't think they lost three. They definitely lost one or two early doors. But um, anyway, so they lost two, and there was a rain out. That there was, was the it. rain out yeah. against England. Actually, funnily enough, wasn't there at Adelaide? I remember watching that game in the middle of the night. Um, yeah, I, I think England. I, I think the amazing thing is that uh, that England came back so well. I think that was the important thing. We, I think at the beginning of the tournament, if you'd asked me what the fear was, and I think this was shared by quite a few England fans, was the notion that we would romp through the group stages yeah. and then cock it up in the semi-finals. And actually. Uh, although we had a good, reasonably good start in the group stages, uh, we then began to cock it up, and we <laughs> cocked it up early enough to recover. Yes. Whereas Australia, by the time they were beginning to cock up, it was coming late in the tournament. <laughs> well, I think it's all we, about we, we, we timed yeah. our cock up we particularly, particularly well. But it was also it was a reassertion of of England playing their positive cricket in the truest sense of the word, which is that uh, not it's not reckless cricket, but it's it's saying that we tr- we trust our ability to perform at our best and it was Wokes bowled brilliantly Archibald brilliantly Wood bowled very well other Rashid came roaring back with his googly I think bowled brilliantly on that day his figures didn't quite reflect how well he bowled I don't think Plunkett bowled very well and then Roy and Bairstow were just brutal they were but they were also um, technically proficient which sometimes they aren't I mean I was talking all the way through the tournament and in fact uh, leading up to the final how uh, the fact that my fear was that uh, they had they had got away with so many inside edges uh, which had flown down for four at fine leg that they were eventually going to well, get well we saw in the final yesterday and, Bairstow Bairstow f- and it happened to Bairstow about fifth end. time of asking yeah okay fair enough but you know you do have to look at these things and eventually your luck on, on that score will run out and, and Bairstow is a little bit loose outside off stump he will play that shot he'll, he'll stand up a little bit more he won't bend the front knee quite as much as he should do and he'll throw the hands through it which does tend to leave a gap and that's you know why he will get done occasionally like and that. it's why he should not bat in the top three in test, test match cricket, cricket. Yeah. that's a, discussion a different discussion a, that's a discussion for another podcast but yeah uh, England got through the the early menace of Stark and Berendorf and then 
uh, once that little victory had been gained, just demoralised uh, yes. Australia completely. They took on Nathan Lyon. I think Lyon was a bit unlucky in his first over, frankly. I think he bowled pretty well. I think he, he kept on coming, as he always does. But um, sometimes the luck goes with you, and England took full advantage. And by the end, Australia didn't know where to bowl. Oh, no. By the end, they, they were a, a totally uh, dishevelled uh, morass of disappointment, uh, which was great to see, of course, as, uh, as, as with the Ashes coming up. But... Um, yeah, and I mean, you can, you can look it down to all these points. I mean, if you remember in the group game against New Zealand, which England had to win at the time, um, they opened the bowling New Zealand with Mitchell Santner, bowled a wonderful arm ball to yeah. Jason Roy, got completely done with it, trying to cut it. He could so easily have been bowled. It could have been different. Is that the very situation. first ball? Very first ball very of the game. Ball, uh, yeah, Mark Wood's fingertip uh, dismissing Kane Williams. Exactly. On the that, was, that was a lovely moment. Oh, my moment. God. I mean, if that you, celebration. If you start adding up the luck we've had against New Zealand just on its own, <laughs> it's extraordinary, isn't it? Really. I mean, that, that, that was crucial at the time. Yeah. Yeah, so um, yeah, New Zealand must be... Fe- I mean, ha- as England fans, um, I know you're uh, technically an England fan, but as England fans, grubby, I don't yes. know if you agree, um, but you have to say, we've had just an enormous amount of good luck. We've had some luck. We've had some luck, yeah. Yeah, uh, New Zealand, and in the other game, New Zealand played, uh, and India played one of the best games yeah. I, I, of cricket I've seen over two days. I think it just added to that tension a little bit. Like, think back to the Ivan Nisovic Henman semi-final in 2001 <laughs> to take yeah. another sport, dragged out. Yeah. Just it, 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 it sort of it stretches your nerves for that much longer. The protracted and I think nature of it. New yeah. Zealand seemed to have a bit of an attitude switch overnight in that in that final because they've been timid, frankly. I think in the uh, in the first day of that contest, they were sort of kept in it by two quite slow fifties from from Taylor and Williamson, mm. and then they came out running hard. They came out scampering, trying to turn every little advantage they could in their favour, and you know got up to a score of sorts. It probably shouldn't have been enough, frankly. It wasn't a bad pitch by any means. It wasn't as, certainly wasn't as slow as the semi-final pitch. But Henry and Bolt bowled absolutely wonderfully and backed up by Ferguson and Mitchell Santner, who I think had uh, bowled an absolutely w- brilliant spell uh, in his first few overs and uh, meant that despite Ravindra Jadeja playing the innings of his life and MS Dhoni still being there, and, you know, MS Dhoni was playing a, a innings that seemed to be entirely devoid of... Uh, uh, of context uh, it seemed to be entirely divorced from the context of the game uh, but even even so New Zealand still had enough uh, to come out to come out victors and we go back through the rest of the tournament I think uh, pick up, I'll pick up a few games that really stood out for me New Zealand Bangladesh in the uh, in the mm. oval twilight New Zealand West Indies Carlos Brathwaite uh, rescuing uh, the West Indies from oblivion Afghanistan India I think was a fantastic game England Pakistan I know uh, I think that was a brilliant uh, that was a wonderfully constructed yep. uh, bit of uh, bit of defending defending from uh, from uh, Pakistan uh, the Pakistan New Zealand game Barbar Azam's 100 and his partnership with Haris Sahail England Sri Lanka I thought was a very good game Sri Lanka held their nerve well Sri Lanka Afghanistan I thought was a very good game Nwan Pradeep bowling that fantastic spell and Afghanistan were on the the, the end of a few close oh, the, the, rain, the rain affected wasn't it uh, the Afghanistan Pakistan did we do it right yes. at the end uh, mm. that, that, that in itself was an astonishing game Gulbuddin's Gulbuddin's over that uh, and, I, and I kind of admired Gulbuddin I know he got a lot of criticism I admired him for taking the responsibility as captain uh, and bowling at that point um, it probably was the wrong decision however um, I think it would have been great if Afghanistan could have got over the line with one game um, I don't think everything is lost with Afghanistan at all I, I think they made they, 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 there were some good performances in there I don't think they should look at the league table and see that they lost nine games and feel bad about that they competed in a number of games they did certainly through the latter part of the tournament I think from the from their batting innings against England onwards they were a real team again having been 
really rocked by the turmoil going on on and off the field. And there's been more in the last few days. Rashid mm-hmm. Khan has now been named captain in the all uh, format. Yeah. Rakhmat Shah essentially sacked as test captain without ever having captain in the test match. Gulbuddin, who didn't want to be captain, uh, is removed. Possibly isn't in Afghanistan's first choice, strongest 11, yeah. uh, even, uh, for Afghanistan. I don't think they gave themselves a chance going into this tournament. We talk, I talked earlier about New Zealand, England and India had clear plans coming into the tournament that had been built over years. Afghanistan had it and then ripped it up at the last minute and you can't do anything in a World Cup like that. The West Indies changed their plan at the last minute. They finally got their, uh, a, 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 theoretically, their best players on the, on the field, but it was too late by that point. Pakistan only found their best 11 halfway through the tournament. Um, Sri Lanka were a lot better than I thought they would be. Yeah. Well, they ended up being so, didn't they? Um, I, I think there were a lot of people at the outset were saying, I'd be surprised if Sri Lanka win a game. They actually I did. did a lot better than <laughs> that, didn't they? I mean, to beat England. I mean, I think England completely lost their nerve in that game. That's 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 what I drew from that game. But, you know, you've got to say, well done. Uh, they, 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 you know, various players performed uh, when they yeah, needed Casal to. Yeah, Pereira had a good tournament. They found an, a gem, I think, potentially in Avishka Fernando. Absolutely. He was oh, yeah. a glorious player. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think Karan Arutna did pretty well in difficult circumstances. Udana was quite was affected through the tournament. Pradeep was pretty good until he got injured. Um, Malinga, they rang the they rung <laughs> the last little bit of juice out of the great man. Dhananjaya the Silver, I think, had a pretty good tournament. But Matthews took too long to get into the tournament. Mendes had an absolute... Mendes had an absolute shocker. Tessara yeah. Pereira had an absolute shocker. They didn't have a spinner, a wrist spinner, uh, who they actually trusted to bowl. Van der Sey well, they went back. They played. went back years, didn't they? That was the that was part of the problem. They went back to Mendes. Um, Jeevan Mendes, who Mendes. barely played. Yeah. Um, Melinda Surawardena played one game and basically did nothing. Yeah. They they left great players, not great players, but very good players at home in Nirosh and Dickfella. Uh, Akila Dananjaya, who for me is the most baffling inclusion. Chandamal, who I know has had a poor record, but you know, would he have yeah, done any worse are, than Kassar Mendes? They are potential. No, no, of course, and potentially these guys are match winners. Dick Weller, I mean, brings something to the game anyway, doesn't he? Just in his presence, uh, and I think we were all kind of disappointed not to see him uh, yeah. in the tournament. Yeah, and it, it you know, Akila Dananjaya, uh, you know. Could, Mujib, I think, had a very good tournament for Afghanistan, and I think Akila Dunanjai could have done a similar job for Sri Lanka. Uh, I think uh, and South Africa, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Mm. You know, the fact that they finished above Bangladesh, even on net run rate, was an absolute travesty, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Bangladesh had a very good tournament. You have to say, possibly, um, you know, they were held together immensely by Shaqib Al Hassan. I mean, you just have to look at his record. I don't think he scored less than 41 in any of his innings. Absolutely brilliant from him. Yeah, and 11 wickets as well. And 11 wickets. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, for me, it's, I, think, I think it's the greatest single tournament performance we've ever seen. Well, it probably is. I mean, I, I, you know, without sort of being able to call to mind um, other individual performances throughout a tournament. Well, he's, I, he scored a rather selfish 100 against England <laughs> in Cardiff, where he never never really went to chase the total arguably probably. if he hadn't scored but that Bangladesh would only have lost by more possibly possibly but anyway I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious but no, he's, he's an outstanding player but actually I've got two uh, Bangladeshis in my tournament 11 well uh, mm, why really? don't we come to those now why don't we come why to not? those now okay um, we, uh, we will come to some tournament awards but we'll start with our 11 of the World Cup uh, I don't know who wants to start first but I, I think we're, are we agreed on our openers uh, I think Grubby and me certainly are. Um, I don't know whether we agreed with you. Um, uh, having a look at your sheet, I can. Jason, Roy and Rohit Sharma. Yep. We, we've all gone for the same two. L- looks that way, doesn't it? Yep. I mean, Honourable mentions to Warner and Finch. Warner and Finch and Best, though, I think, to, to a large extent. Even though he did get two Golden Ducks in the tournament, he also got two hundreds in a row. Um, important ones where England needed to win games. I think the thing about Jason Roy is his figures may not have been quite as impressive as one or two others, but... It was just his presence. In he the made team. the difference. He to made the England. difference. I felt that um, 
uh, Johnny Besto looked like like a man who was who had, had lost a you know a brother basically. Pining, when, when he was pining for him uh, when he wasn't playing uh, because he didn't quite know what his role was. I mean, quite often you'll find that Jason Roy and Johnny Besto switch roles. One of them goes off yeah. like an absolute train. The other one. Uh, then gradually catches up. They do it in shifts. It started off that Bairstow would go out like a rocket and Roy would uh, would bat a little bit more a little bit more for the long term. But they've as their partnership has grown, you know, they are it's a, uh, they don't play quite as many games as some, but you know, they average over seventy batting together, scoring at seven and over. That's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. It is absolutely uh, it's absolutely ridiculous, really. Yeah. Uh, so those are the openers uh, then. And you know and you know, they switch roles between games, they switch roles within games yeah. and Rohit Sharma, um, more hundreds than anyone else in a single World Cup. Top run scorer in the tournament. Five hundreds. Yes, he didn't score any runs in the final. Best semi-final. Best white ball batsman in the world. Well, for yeah, me. yes. I mean, you, have, you can't argue with it. He's got three double centuries in one day international cricket. He's, he's, he's now hit five centuries in a World Cup. I, I don't think what, what more evidence could you need that he's one, if not the best ODI batsman um, at the top of the order? Well, if we're talking white ball combining international ODIs and T20s, Virat Kohli is a bit ahead of Rohit Sharma in ODI cricket, but Rohit Sharma is way ahead of Virat Kohli in, in T20 cricket, yeah. so we've kind of taken that in, in toto. Uh, then I think we might have a slightly different order, but it looks as though the 3-4-5 is pretty, is pretty settled. Well, no. I think Shakib, we all agree, is in yeah, there. Yeah, I think so. Stokes, we all agree, is in there. Yeah. I've, I've got, got Stokes at six, though. Okay. Um, and uh, I haven't picked Williamson either. I have. Yeah, well, I know you wouldn't, done because you think he's boring. But, I, I mean, you cannot ignore Williamson, I, irrespective of the fact that he said, what, me, player of the tournament? Uh, you've got to look <laughs> at him not just, not just as a player, but uh, what he's brought to the New Zealand team, uh, which is that calmness. There's an incredible calmness. And a hard and a, act to follow. And a lovely beard. Amazing, amazing act to fo- uh, difficult, difficult act to follow. Um, and and I, I just think Williamson, he just... He just has this aura of calmness, doesn't he? He knows what he's doing. He's in complete control of his game. And, and he's uh, uh, found a plan that works for New Zealand. That, that they've, they've worked it, out it, that it, they can defend it, totals. For a, guy, for a player like Kane Williamson, who is very much in control of his own game, a lot of, those time, a lot of times players like that don't make good captains. You think of Richard Hadley. You think of Sachin Tendulkar. These guys who have to be so controlled uh, and very much taking all risk out of their own their own batting a little bit which Tendulkar did through the latter part of his career mm. a lot of those guys don't make great captains but Kane Williamson start you know he obviously has the respect of his team yes and he's a leader and he's grown as a tactical captain I thought his captaincy was very good uh, with the I think his field placing was very and good I'm we talked about the field placing I love the cordon the cordon uh, you know that it's a backward point the For three Morgan. Yeah, yeah 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 I yeah. thought that was uh, fantastic to watch. I, I think he's one of those quick people who subsumes his ego as well which I think is important um, you know he sees the collective as more important than the individual and that's what I you know despite him being an exceptional individual he manages to uh, work that into a team in the best possible way in business and life and sport you, you, you have to uh, if you're a leader you have to do it on your terms and in your style it would have been the uh, completely the wrong thing for him to try and ape what McCullum yeah. had done Previously, but he does it. In he's done quiet, it in his own style. He does it in works a quiet way, doesn't he? And I think yeah. you're right about having the respect. I mean, I think people are looking to him all the time. If you're in the field, you're looking to him. It's not, as a captain, I think of you know, if you're captaining at the Colt side and you've got a few players who aren't that good, and you're looking around to see mm. if you can stop him wandering from sort mm. of third man to long leg yeah. while he's just you know chewing his uh, <laughs> fingernails. Um, but in you know, I think the eyes are on Williamson the whole time because they respect him so much yeah. and they're, they're waiting for his direction and, and they go along with it. Um, there isn't there isn't sort of a sense of tension between them. Not at all. So he's in your 11s. He's not in mine, but that's fine. I went for Joe Root at three and Shaggy, but four. 
Okay, we've all gone for Stokes somewhere in there. I've gone for Jimmy Neesham at six. Mm. Um, I haven't. I've gone for a, a, a double choice, actually. I think two, the, the two most elegant batsmen in the tournament for me, uh, Nick Puran and or Baba Azam. Uh, well, I've gone uh, Baba at five. I saw you gone Baba. I, um, Baba is a, is a beautiful batsman. He might be my favourite batsman in the world at the moment. Well, he, he was about three years ago. Even when I first saw him, he was, mm. was my favourite. Yes, we saw when uh, Pakistan toured England. And one cover drive had Hendo and I swooning. Yes, well, I think, and also I've seen this with Nick Poor, and I think he's, I mean, I just hope that the West Indies system doesn't spoil him in any way, because I think he's a beautifully elegant batsman. Uh, I know all the talk is about Shimmer and Hetmeyer. I think he's a better batsman than Hetmeyer. I think he's going to be a bigger star if he's given the right guidance. I think also he should be keeping cool. it uh, instead, of, uh, instead of Shea Hope. Yeah, I think Shea Hope's a terrible keeper. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah I, ha- I had Nicholas Poor, we had Nicholas Poor, and I had Nicholas Poor in my team at the group stages. Um, yeah. I think, for me, Nisham has come through in these last few games. You know, his, his journey is a really interesting one because he, um, you know, he was a spectator and, the, you know, the king of Twitter um, <laughs> during the last World Cup, you know, has, has kept up that, uh, mm. that sort of easy humour of his through this, this World Cup on Twitter, uh, you know, and he tweeted uh, earlier this morning, take up baking, die fat and happy. <laughs> uh, well, I intend to do that. I don't bake, but I eat baked goods. <laughs> and I'm getting near to 60, so I think that's probably me marked yeah, down. Yeah, and, you know, his, his apology to the fans. You know, there's nothing to apologise oh. for, but no. it's no, heartbreaking. And, you know, I, and, uh, I think he, he bowled pretty well, and he, I think his batting in the Super Over was utterly nerveless. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. he took control of that situation with a senior player at the other end. Yeah, I suppose in, in a way to the detriment in, in one respect because when he could only get that single off the fifth ball or the sixth ball because there had been a wide, um, it then exposed Martin Guptill to having to get those two runs, the only ball that he'd faced since eleven o'clock that morning. Uh, so kind of, kind of difficult, I think. Um, and, and unfortunately, it was a good ball by Archer that, that kept him to that but, single. Uh, yeah, I think Nisham had a very good tournament with the ball. Yep, yep, plenty of slow balls. Who have we gone for our wicket keepers? Um, it's got to be Alex Carey for me. Yeah, I went Joss Butler. Uh, interesting. I went Joss Butler. No his Butler in my side. His you believe it. His innings in the final. His keeping in the final. Alex Carey's wicket keeping was not good. No, that's right. I agree with you. It wasn't that great. Uh, I thought gone he batted superb. I've yes. gone for him as um, just enjoying his batting. Yeah. Uh, coming in, you know, quite often when Australia were in slightly difficult circumstances, and uh, getting the momentum flowing for, for for Australia and getting them up to totals that they probably wouldn't have got, and especially in that game against New Zealand, yeah. uh, where he batted really well with uh, Usman Khawaja. Yeah, almost got them out of a hole against India. Yep. Absolutely. I suppose in your eleven, you could have Puran keeping and have Carey just batting. You could have both of those. Yeah. I mean, I did think of saying Puran as, cap- as as keeper, but I haven't seen enough of him keeping to actually make a judgment on that yeah he uh, certainly scored most runs of any wicket keeper in the tournament I think if you wanted to go for a pure keeper I, I'd probably go um, a bit low in the order but I'd go for Mushfika Ra- Ra- Raheem yeah I mean you, you know, can't argue if you're batting him low enough MS Dhoni as a wicket keeper well yes I suppose there's that I thought Latham had a decent tournament with <laughs> man the who averages 50 in uh, uh, one day internationals <laughs> over 300 but it's, it's inarguable that his uh, his, uh, his batting is waning and it's oh, waning quickly yeah, uh, but I went for Bill Butler. I thought he's keeping in very difficult conditions yesterday. He did he was, was, was very, yesterday. very well, Agreed. very good. Yeah. He, like, he he has his errors and he's missed a couple of stumpings and missed a couple of, uh, of quite bad stumpings and so forth through this tournament. Uh, but I thought the way he held his nerve for the run out was excellent, uh, and he's got that ability to score quickly without anyone really noticing, uh, as well as the pyrotechnics. And he's played two slightly out of character, not out of character, but they've not been the. Uh, the bish bash box yeah. butler uh, innings that we've seen but against Pakistan where he almost got England over the line and uh, in the final yesterday he's a very correct batsman the, the core of his technique is, is, is sort of textbook really he plays very well in the V 
and he is versatile. It's not just about the big shots, although he can play them as well. Well, he's created. I mean, his temperament has grown, hasn't it, over the last year and a half? I would say. Um, I mean, I go back to that. Okay, we, we can talk about it not being the strongest of Australian sides, but I go back to that uh, yeah. one day at the. Uh, I think it was the fifth ODI, wasn't it? Yeah, when it was. looked like they might lose one. Was it Old Trafford? Uh, it was, it yes. Was. And, and, and the way he shepherded uh, England through to victory in that game was, was phenomenal. It was. And you're right, actually. I mean, okay, he had had a quiet tournament as a batsman, apart from that 100 against Pakistan, um, which was sadly in a losing cause. But he came in yesterday and, and he lived up to the hype in a way. He didn't play um, uh, incredible shots until quite late. And there was one beautiful, well, two beautiful scoops that he played. One was almost a glance. Um, but he batted so sensibly with Stokes, he understood the situation. But, and he, sensibly, not in a way of just blocking. You know, he no. was able to score it nearly a run of ball, hitting yeah. the ball through the gaps, timing the ball really nicely when no one else had really managed it. Yeah, he understands the game. He's, uh, you know, I come back to this, he's got great cricketing intelligence. Yeah. Um, now, bowlers, we, we were having a bit of a chat, weren't we, out, out there, Hendo? And you were saying, hmm, who's been, who's been the best spinner in this tournament, mm. apart from Shakib? And we struggled really to say it's not really been a spinner's tournament, um, by and large. So I, I just... For, for my 11 at least I, I'm happy with um, Shaki Balhassan as, my, as one of my all-rounders and providing a spin option but other than that I've gone seam all the way OK well I, I, my spinner I went was um, a, a little bit uh, mischievously I've gone for Rashid Khan I know he had a terrible day against England he came back a little bit better later in the tournament but the other thing is um, you've got to admire a man who comes into a tournament with one, one national captaincy and comes out with, with three uh, so uh, you know I have to, I have to say um, he's, the, he's the man who's uh, built his reputation I, I did seriously think about picking Mujib because actually is a, from a from a tournament performance point of view I think Mujib had a very good tournament Mohammed Nubby at times was inspirational yes. um, I think bold probably the two best spells of the tournament certainly the two best overs of the tournament hit the one against Sri Lanka and then one against Pakistan where he had Imad Vazim on toast <laughs> uh, I went for Mitchell Santner I went for Mitchell Santner mm. uh, some beautifully constructed spells batted very sensibly has his fielding has improved dramatically in the last year or so and He's, you know, he's a worthy sort of lift. He's becoming a lieutenant rather, or a lieutenant mm. to Kane Williamson in his uh, in his ability to be calm and to sum up the situation. And cracking specs, yes, cracking too. Librarian specs, librarian specs. Held, held on with one. a cord at the back. <laughs> We don't um, see that. When enough. he shakes that hair down, he's oh, going to be beautiful. But my, but you're beautiful. <laughs> um, did did any of us not pick both Stark and Bumrah? No, I picked both of them. Oh, really? Yeah. I went Stark, Archer, and uh, Bumrah was not. Oh one no, of I didn't pick Bumrah. no Bumrah, no um, Bumrah for No, Michael. I didn't pick Bumrah, and I, I, it's a partially an oversight, really, because it's, it's difficult to to split them, really. Um, but I think you've got to look at Archer because I mean, Archer's coming to his first World Cup. He's coming to the first pressurized cricket yeah. that he's ever played, well, really. Well, apart from IPL, I suppose you'd say that's pressurized. And 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 if it is pressurized, he's learned from that, hasn't he? Um, and the very fact that he was chosen as the man to bowl the, the super over, I know, he's and that there wasn't really an. Uh, a sense that it would be anyone else. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and, you know, all part of the plan. Yeah. And, 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 and those people at the beginning of the tournament were saying, oh, will Archer get in? I mean, anyone who'd seen him in the IPL knew he had to be anyone in. Who'd seen him, he had anyone to be who'd in. seen his, his county highlights reel, his one-man highlights reel in the county championship, the guy's got everything as a fast bowler. He's got yeah. the bouncer, he's got the slower balls, he's got the Yorker, he's got that ability to bowl hard into the pitch, a little bit like Bumrah, and he's got that ability to bowl long spells because his action doesn't tire him out particularly. I, I, had, Ar well, I had Archer at 9 and Stark at 10 because Mitchell Stark is uh, uh, an astonishing weapon in, yeah. in white ball cricket. Uh, 
incredible. And he well, can bat. I mean, the thing about Archer, I suppose, disappointing, he didn't get many opportunities to bat. I think he probably can bat, but I had him at 11 because when he did bat, he didn't do very well. Um, I, I think he's, he's better than that. Yeah, and that's why it was very disappointing from an England fan's perspective to see the shot he played against Sri Lanka. Yeah, that was... Where all he needed to do was yeah. keep Ben Stokes' company, really. But there we are. Um, he's not in my team either. <laughs> um, I've, gone, I've gone for Chris Wokes. Joffre's not in your team? Joffre's not in my team. Really? I've that gone Bumra, Stark, Wokes, and here's the wild card, the Fizz. Yeah. 20 wickets yeah. and a strike rate uh, only inferior to that of Mitchell Stark. Despite the fact he didn't take a wicket in the first 30 overs of an innings throughout the tournament. Yeah, well, he's, he's your... Uh, he's your death man, is he? Yeah, and it, just, just for a bit of variety as well with his, his cutters. In a better constructed Bangladesh team or a Bangladesh team that was a differently constructed Bangladesh team, he would basically be... A little bit like Malinga used to be for Sri Lanka. He'd only basically bowl in the middle and death overs. Uh, Bangladesh were let down in the tournament by the fact they didn't have a strike bowler at the top uh, of the innings. I do think with Mustafa that actually it's it's great news for cricket in a way that he's done so well or relatively well with those 20 wickets. There was a sense that he was falling away after a brilliant start. Well, he had a shocking cricket. Champions Trophy yeah, to one wicket in the whole tournament. Yeah, I mean, he, he had, hadn't been the force that he was at the outside of his career. And of course, that can happen with cricketers. You know, people begin to get used to what they do and the more they see I them. I think he was also them. coming off an injury. Yeah, he's had injuries as well. And when he went to Sussex, he had an injury, didn't he? So I, I think, yes, um, it's great to see him re-emerging if that's what it is. Mm. And he's someone that Bangladesh can build an attack around. Uh, for the next few years my uh, so I've gone with Santa Archer Stark I've gone for Matt Henry mm-hmm. he has my other fast bowler uh, tough call over Lockie Ferguson I think Lockie was consistent throughout the tournament yeah. uh, consistently quick bowled those uh, those tricky hard lengths was difficult to get away but I think Henry the, his arc of the tournament is really interesting I talked about it a little bit earlier with his strong start and then it looked as though he might fall away. I was pretend- I was saying that I would uh, would have wanted Southie in for him ahead of the semi-final, but he mm. bowled brilliantly in the semi in the final. Well, I mean that's the thing that Southie didn't do when he did come in and get his chance. He didn't bowl well, and you can't. It's it's, it's hard to expect one, a man to come in after sitting out seven matches and then suddenly to be. Well, and actually before you know, that as well, he hadn't really been in New Zealand's first choice plans. You know, a, mm. a very fine bowler, Tim Southie. Um, well, seven for fifteen talks. Uh, talks well, quite, and, but uh, you know he's he's got a hell of a body of work over his what eleven year career. Yeah. Um, but uh, Henry keeping a bowler of that class out of out of the side, and um, and I think he 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 brings you. He's not a death bowler, but I think that's the only thing he can't do. Yeah, I think the, I think the only thing about Saudi that they might have been worried about is that although he takes wickets and and is a fine swing bowler, he can go for runs. Uh, Matt Henry, I think, was much more consistent in that respect. Yes, except uh, when he was bowled at the death, which is not yeah. his skill set. Yeah, but I think he was much more um, consistent at keeping you know keeping the batsman under wraps to a certain extent as well um, whereas you know perhaps Saudi can be a little predictable with his outs. yeah a little bit like Anderson used to be in white ball cricket but yeah. you know Henry kept you know he dismissed Rohit and Kale Rahul and kept Virat Kohli quiet then in the final uh, he bowls really well at uh, uh, Roy, Roy and mm. Best uh, and Root yeah you know it doesn't get much better than that no, he bowled really well. You make a very strong case. You do. I do. I, I wouldn't disagree with any of your choices, even though some of them are different from mine. <laughs> there we are. Uh, but I would say my, my one remaining, um, he's not a bowler, he's not a batsman, he's not a wicketkeeper, but he is an umpire. And uh, my choice as number nine goes to Kuma Damasina. Hey! <laughs> because he <laughs> has much, made That's pretty much crucial. where he batted for Sri Lanka in his well, career. Well, there you go. Um, perfect <laughs> position for him. He, he, I mean... I, d- I don't want to mock him because I think he's a decent umpire. He's had some, some difficult situations. Yeah, he made a, a bad decision against Jason Roy, um, which wasn't crucial by any stretch of the imagination at that point. Um, I, think not, I think a real umpire not to know there wasn't a review left at that point is pretty poor. Um, was there? Was, is that yeah, what he, he tried to as? signal a review, but there wasn't one. Okay, well, fair enough. Um, and, and people will say that, you know, he misread um, uh, 
or, or misinterpreted what happened yesterday with Ben Stokes. Um, I don't think so. But he did have he did have he did make some poor decisions at times. Not. You know, they weren't terminal, some of them. And, you know, and, and the fact of the matter is, if you do get one or two wrong, they can be turned over well, by... Well, he had two yesterday, but overturned by reviews. Exactly, exactly. So no harm was done. And, and I, I would kind of... I like my umpires to be a little bit more um, determinate in, in regards of, of making a decision rather than avoiding making a decision. Yeah. And I think he does that. Um, people will say he was lucky to get the final... I don't know that that's true. Erasmus, brilliant, brilliant umpire. Yeah, um, brilliant umpire and a brilliant calming presence yeah. over over a game, which I he think, demonstrated in the Jason Roy incident. Yeah, for sure, and in the final as well. Some. You know, he kept his head. Yeah. Another one who does that, who who's just retired, Ian Gould, who I think is very well liked by the players for his ability to be, you know, sort of not funny in a Billy Bowden look at me way, <laughs> but funny in a and just sort of taking the pressure out of the yeah, situation. He's a, he's a good uh, you know, and you know, the ICC all do well to find an umpire as well, respected as him to replace and on the international panel. Well, I, I would, of course, have Elite Chris Gaffney in, the, um, oh, in, well, in the third umpire the third chair. umpire chair, because he is one of the best third umpires in the world. Yeah. And I'm sorry to do production notes on air, but um, I have to go very yeah. shortly. Well, my, my 12th man you, uh, is uh, Ravindra, Ravindra Jadeja. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant fielding, brilliant bowling, and a bit of brilliant batting in the semi-final as well. So I will take these teams and collate them into a GC team of the uh, World Cup. Uh, our player of the tournament, I think unanimously from here, us uh, in the chairs, is uh, the mighty Shakibal Hassan. Yep. Uh, we, we were going to do moments of the, uh, of the tournament full, full stop, but we've talked about these over the last... Uh, a few weeks and I think we don't need to go into them in depth quite as much but there's been some wonderful catching throughout the tournament you think of Ben Stokes you think of Sheldon Cottrell uh, you think of a couple by Quinton de Kock Jimmy uh, Neesham you Jimmy like Neesham the Trent Bolt one you Jimmy Neesham the, the Trent Bolt one yeah. on the boundary Lockie Ferguson uh, my catch of the tournament um, I'm afraid is going to be she- well, I was afraid about it why should I be afraid of it uh, Sheldon Cottrell I think that was the best catch of the tournament the one running around the boundary, around the boundary. Steve Smith. Martin Guptill in against Australia at Leg yeah. Gully yep yep yeah. I'll, I'll stick well. with the, the obvious one, Ben Stokes, in the first game. Okay. Excellent. Uh, I'm going I'm going Bolt. I'm going Bolt on the boundary because of that, because of the pressure of that moment and because of the the, exec- the, the sheer level of execution of those skills. And it's just a shame for him that uh, he slightly misjudged it or the luck wasn't yesterday. on his side yesterday. Yeah. Um, That's mother cricket for you. Yes, indeed. And uh, yesterday was uh, mother cricket was quite the, the capricious parent but uh, we've loved bringing you this every single ball of this World Cup on Gorilla Cricket and Gorilla Cricket South Africa we've loved bringing you this World Cup podcast the podcast will continue uh, through the English summer and beyond uh, we'll uh, uh, be, won't be World Cup focused it'll be a bit uh, broader focused uh, we have possible thoughts of bringing you a, a county podcast please do feedback uh, on, on that on Twitter or by email at gorillacricket at gmail.com as to whether you'd like that but uh, uh, for now uh, thank you to Grubby and thank you to Hendo thank you to everyone who's guested uh, on uh, the show so far thank you to producer John you can get the pod before anyone else by signing up at patreon.com forward slash gorilla cricket that'll be out this podcast will be out not very helpful to you if you're listening to this but it's it's out before anyone else uh, on Patreon Uh, but uh, if you if you do want it on the public platforms that it's on iTunes it's on Acast it's on Spotify it's on Podbean please uh, subscribe please leave us a ratings on iTunes that really does help us be found by one, more please. people yeah five <laughs> stars preferably uh, and uh, thank you to everyone who's, who's listened uh, throughout the tournament it's been an absolute blast the GC podcast shall ride again but for now from everyone here at Gorilla Cricket it's goodbye ta-ta night.
Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.